Hello and welcome to Tech Talk, a podcast for early stage tech startups brought to you by SparkSense. We discuss with entrepreneurs, investors, executives to share hands-on actionable insights how to bring unique solutions to market. We talk about sales, financing and technology. We have pleasure to welcome uh, participants from uh, various countries across Europe, from Switzerland, from France, from Germany, and I'm sure some other countries as well. So welcome everyone uh, and thank you for joining. During this session, we'll, we'll try to share some of our experience in business development, in particular one of the critical phases of business development, which is to win your first customer. And of course, once you win the first customer, what else? How do we go beyond that? Of course, so we try to make this uh, an interactive session um, because it's going to be the opportunity for you to ask questions which are very relevant to your startup, but also share ideas, insights uh, with the other entrepreneurs on this, uh, on this talk uh, to make it uh, even more uh, interesting. So in terms of the structure, we'll have a, about 15-20 minutes overview, a bit of a setting the framework for business development activities, uh, which I will lead with uh, my colleague uh, Raka and I will uh, follow up with a 40 minute uh, Q&A session where you, you will be jumping in with uh, your questions, your comments of course. For the questions we will most likely use the chat function which is a bit more easy to manage uh, given that we are expecting about 30 participants today so using the chat would be more, most probably uh, more efficient. So uh, on the on the uh, with you with us today we have uh, beyond myself Hervé Fruto. I'm the founder of SparkSense. Uh, I have a, a long experience in business to business development and entrepreneurship. And with me we have uh, Raka. Uh, Raka will uh, will join us uh, in a few minutes, uh, sharing his experience working with one of our clients, who is a Belgium-based company called Inopsis providing technology for wastewater treatment across Europe. So of course, uh, we, we, we cannot really uh, completely avoid the topic that uh, there is a, uh, our, the crisis at the moment is obviously impacting a lot of businesses, some of them very positively, as we, as we could see. I don't know if you're familiar with this company, Blue Apron, which is very strong in the US. It was supposed to go more or less bankrupt or go down uh, last year um, because it was not very successful now. Of course, given the current circumstances, his, uh, his uh, stock price has, uh, has boosted uh, very heavily. The same for the, for the company who's providing the software we are using today, which is called Zoom. Uh, very successful already, and now even more so given the circumstances, of course. The, of course, the, the downside is uh, a lot of companies are, are struggling. Uh, we, we see that across the board in different, in different industries. And uh, we can see, of course, uh, my one of my former employer, General Electric, uh, is struggling a lot. Um, as we as we all know, we don't see many flights uh, going in the air at the moment, and obviously retail is struggling a lot as well, which makes we believe business development, sales, and attention to customer even more important than before. And we, this is one of the main thrusts of this discussion, because the other element is that the investors are really showing their true colors. This is the most recent uh, opinion here uh, that we see that uh, effectively uh, VCs are, have been pushing a lot of money onto startups over the last 10 years in particular. 
but uh, now because of the crisis, they are redirecting a lot of their money uh, to existing portfolios of so supporting their existing uh, investments. And uh, also we see a seed investment in early stage startups, in particular from angels, is expected to dry up a bit because of the crisis. So this is even more reinforcing the need to go out on the market, which is difficult, but is necessary uh, in times of crisis. And when you look back uh, even 10 years ago, uh, when you look at what uh, Marc Roberge, who was leading sales at HubSpot uh, in 2008, um, it is the time to build sales. Uh, even in a down economy, this is when you build sales and you build sales activity. And personally, I, I, that was my first entrepreneurship experience. I joined the company uh, as a co-founder in 2008, uh, just before, I think it was three or four months before the, the crash. Um, and of course, this is an area uh, uh, which is a, a situation which is very challenging, but it is obviously important to continue to be proactive on the market. With that being said, I think the question, of course, is not only that it is important, but obviously, so what do we do? How do we set up a good business development activity? There's really a combination of team on one side and process on the other side. On the team side, it's about skill set and attitude. Um, it's really about uh, how to make sure that the team has sufficient uh, product and technology knowledge uh, to be able to represent the solution to prospective customers. They don't need to be specialists, but they need to know enough of the technology to bring the customer along the qualification route. They need to obviously, uh, the, the business development team needs to understand uh, key market and customer trends, of course. And obviously, one very important aspect, which is sometimes forgotten, is uh, listening skills is key. Uh, because at the end of the day, business development is not about selling in a classical sense of pushing a solution onto customers. It's about listening, uh, uh, listening to requirements, listening to what is really valuable for customers within our own solution toolkit, what is really important for them. And this is where listening skills are very important. And of course, we'll hear from Raka in a few minutes. Uh, sustained power, being resilient, not giving up is obviously uh, one of the key characteristics uh, of the team to be successful in business development. Combined with that <clears throat> is having a process. The process is about uh, tools and methods. And at the end of the day, business development is also a process. Um, this is, we'll, we'll talk in a few minutes uh, about the specific of the process, but this is a process where you have to manage along the way and be able to focus on value proposition. Because of course, if you are a tech startup, it's because you're bringing an innovation, technology innovation onto the market and the business development activities you are running are representing that value. You cannot sell the, as a commodity, you cannot go in a volume-based activity. You have to be really very specific, very targeted in the way you present your value to the market because it can be, if you don't do that, it can become very dilutive of the very proposition you're bringing. And of course it can impact even your price you can generate on the market. The process also is very important to be efficient because of course, as you manage the funnel, we will see in a minute, you have to make sure you're, you're, you're always focusing on efficiency, making sure that the total sale activity is efficient which means also that in some cases you have to kill prospects early. 
because one of the challenges you, you, you might face as a startup is you're looking at uh, vanity, what we call vanity metrics, right? Metrics you think are really showing success, but they are not. For example, uh, some startups, uh, sometimes we talk to and we work with is confused and, and focus a lot on number of quotation they are making. Um, and number of quotation, number of requests for quotation is a, is a good indication of, of uh, performance, but it can be also misleading. You might be doing too many quotations to non-qualified customers. Right? So that could be uh, a challenge. So be, be aware of that and be aware of that. Okay. Uh, in terms of the process uh, specifically and deal flow, um, the way we are organized at SparkSense, and this is a, a we, we think a fairly standard approach, uh, which we do recommend to use, is uh, we have uh, we have structured our, our sales activities in two big phases. One is the classical business development activity, which is really coming from initial contact all the way to qualify to buy. And then there is a second phase after a handover, which is really what you can consider the selling process, which is when the team comes in and presents the, the product, the demonstration, all the way through uh, closing the deal or losing the deal, of course, uh, in some cases. Okay. So today we are going to focus mainly on the first phase, which is really how you go about the initial contact, how do you identify the right contact, the decision maker, how do you make sure that we draw interest in the solution uh, within uh, the organization you're talking to, could be small or large. And then how do you make sure you are allocating resources because of course it's time and resources uh, to engage. Typically we do that on a call, a short call with the customer uh, as a leading, what we call lead engagement call, um, which is really a way to articulate in more detail the solution and understand and listen to the requirements of the prospective customer. And finally, we come to the point which is the qualification to buy. And the qualification to buy normally is three things at the same time. Is one is you have the right decision maker, uh, because of course you have to have the right person making the decision to purchase uh, in the in the discussion. Second, there is a budget and there is a readiness to pay for this solution. And third, it is of course a strong interest in the solution. We need all those three to make a good qualification. A lot of times we, we stop at just interest in the solution. An interest in the solution is nice, but it is not a qualification. Because an interest does not, does not necessarily mean that you are talking to the right person, or it doesn't mean that they have the right budget. So make sure they have budget, decision maker, and interest combined in a qualification to buy before you hand over the prospect to the sales team to close the transaction. Okay, so this is really a setting a bit of a framework. Before I pass it on now to Raka, who is going to share with us his experience working with Inopsis on the wastewater treatment technology. Raka? Yeah, um, I hope everyone can hear my voice crystal yes. clear. Yes. Great. So yeah, thank you, Hefe, for setting up the tone and the stage and giving me the lead for the next couple of minutes. So yeah, again, my name is Raka, and right now I'm working with uh, Inopsis, one of the, our clients, delivering solutions for wastewater purification or wastewater treatment, basically. 
And I also noticed, um, yeah, because we're not only, let's say, inviting people from different countries, but I also assume, and I would believe so, that people are also coming from different industries or sectors, let's say. But I hope that even though what I want to talk about for the next couple of minutes, it's only a tiny part of uh, one of the sectors, but uh, some of them could be the learning takeaways and can be applied for your cases as well. So Inopsis it's, itself, as you might have seen it here, even before I discuss and share, is actually targeting at the, let's say, resource recovery opportunities of uh, the pharma industries and also the fine and specialty chemicals. So um, it's kind of very segmented and also narrow. So that is very helpful for them to target their customers or even when they are targeting the prospects at the beginning. You may also see that on top of, let's say, delivering the solutions, they might also add some other benefits such as the sustainability point of view in which it actually helps very much in order to gain the interest or some kind of attraction points for the customers early on, especially those big fish that we are also including in our prospects. I mean, uh, when I am trying to investigate and also helping them to secure the names of the companies as well as the, let's say, the names of the targets the people who are working in these industries, this really helps us to set the stage of the discussion and conversation. So that is so much about Inopsis and now we are going deeper into the customer segments. I've already talked a bit about the customer segments and also Erfe mentioned a bit about it from a theoretical point of view. But here what I want to convey is actually how we are classifying our let's say prospects and also customers in the end. So um, we can easily say that we have three types of uh, people we are working with or clients that we are working with eventually. At the beginning, we have the direct users. So I, um, before I also talk about the sustainability point of view, so this one is actually the people or the companies who are running the, uh, let's say, the business with the strong focus on sustainability. So they really pay attention on the latest regulation. They really want to drive their business with this kind of vision. So um, we are uh, basically finding the right people and also finding the customers who are within these characteristics and then put them into the group number A. So um, this is uh, about group number A and we also have group B and then in this group B is actually a derivation of group A, but uh, it's kind of different because it's a little more hierarchic or a little bit more complicated because most of the times when we are talking uh, with the clients or with the pharma industries or fine and specialty chemicals, they are not only located in one location, but uh, most of the time they are located in many countries or even from not only from the regional point of view but also continental point of view so it's kind of scattered all over the place and it's making a bit more complicated when we want to find the right people or the right person who talks who can talk and provide information but still <clears throat> even if we find that for instance at the beginning the person that we talk on the first place is not the right person but it will still be helpful if we can find some more information to, to dig deeper 
and then to lead us into the second person in the other place probably or in the other location so the hierarchies make it a little bit more complex but in the end if we can pursue and then we can invest some time that we think is necessary to find the right people then it is still a worthwhile event and also time to spend with and lastly actually the last one is as Afe has also mentioned as well we have some categories in order to consider them as the clients but still i consider group c is one of let's say a passive client because they are not the, the right or the direct people or the direct customers who buy our solutions or our let's say services but they are the people who would influence or who would set up the market for us and also even help us to some extent like being our partners and also being our informants because um, for instance if we have low access to a certain market then we can always collaborate with distributors in our cases we can do that and also in the water treatment space we know that it is heavily regulated especially in switzerland so in order to know the latest state-of-the-art technologies and also the latest standards that the companies have to comply then we need to collaborate also with the industry associations because they hold the most recent updates or the most recent news about the industry regulations and how the companies should comply and use technologies and we move to the let's say i am trying to make it as practical as possible so as you can see here on the left hand side the the green circle thing so it is kind of daunting and scary at the beginning if you have no ideas where to look at, especially if you don't have segments. So uh, the list here starts from the how to, how to find qualified targets. So um, you can basically use all the resources that you can have, especially uh, I, I get help so much from the trade shows. So from there, we can easily distinguish and even uh, let's say, um, zoom into a bit to the right people as well as the referrals because you can exchange contacts directly on top of uh, also promoting your business and secondly you always need to remember how to deliver the solution in easier and also in digestible value propositions as Afe mentioned so i put it like one until three benefits because uh, not all the people want to hear the let's say lengthy talk and it's also important to map your relationships so there are many tools out there actually like software in order to do so and i think it's important because uh yeah even though that we can take notes but in the end we have to structure it a bit especially if we want to collaborate and work with the other business development team in our uh, company and also remember how to let's say if a company is interested, we also need to know who would be the decision-making people, especially the process, in order for them to take and eventually and finally choose our solution. Yeah, and maybe just to add a couple of points here, uh, very to this to this overview here, Raka, I think you did a particularly good job, and I think it's very important to remember when we talk about the identifying the, the qualified targets. Of course, trade shows are being canceled uh, most uh, most everywhere uh, nowadays. 
but it's also a good opportunity to come back to the list of, of, ex of exhibitors and the participants, right? So that we are able to identify those decision makers, even though we are not attending the trade shows, even from last year, there is a good list we can get or from presentation we can get. So there is a good, uh, good opportunity there to uh, not necessarily go to trade shows, which is obviously in any ways not possible nowadays, but it's not always necessary either to get those, uh, those names, correct, Raka? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for adding up and then filling the gap. Yeah, actually, what I also mentioned, uh, what I wanted to convey is also about the data from the past trade shows and events. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we can just move uh, directly to the don'ts part. I always say this is not the most exhaustive list, but uh, it's also still important that and also something that I believe in till today is uh, if you don't hear feedback soon, then, I mean, I put it here two weeks. It depends on the industry, but for my case, two weeks is still reasonable uh, for them to, to think about it and to sink in information that we have already discussed. Um, probably in some industries, you can even shorten it a bit, like one week, and then if you don't hear any feedback, you have to reach out. And then eventually, if you need, you have to kill the prospects, as Elfias mentioned before. And lastly, if, yeah, for instance, uh, this is the second one is still related to group B that I uh, mentioned before also. So if you think that this company is very suitable for our solution, but the person himself doesn't seem to be very attracted to our solution, we can take the conversation a little bit to the other direction and then try to find other opportunities as well. So that is the main point of uh, my second bullet here. And I guess like also to wrap up the, the, the part that I want to talk about today is actually, um, yeah, the industry is very diverse and I think the best way to do it is just by picking up the phone call and just go through it and get clever over time. And that's the best way to, to let's say, to get up to speed in this development. That's at least from my experiences. Yes, I think this is an interesting, uh practical point is that uh, we see the, the combination of email uh, access and also phone calls is a, is a critical element of success. Uh, obviously, email is a good way to distribute documentation, to, to share uh, some initial uh, product overview or solution overview, but certainly uh, it does not replace uh, the interaction, whether of course on the phone or face-to-face -face depending. But clearly, this is a good combination to move things forward in your deal flow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, this is a short overview. Uh, we, we left a few things open for you to ask questions. So uh, don't hesitate to jump in. So uh, what I suggest you do is uh, when you have questions, uh, ideally, you can just use the chat function, which is available on uh, Zoom, and type in your, uh, your question, which are coming in as we speak, um, and uh, Petros is asking, uh, what would be the main indicators that we are speaking with the first adopter, so or early adopter? How can we differentiate first adopters from followers? That's a very interesting uh, question. Um, maybe I'll take a little bit of that, and Raka, don't hesitate to, to jump in as we go. Um, so effectively, this is a critical element to, to be efficient, because you want to make sure you are talking to the early adopters. The early adopters typically are people which are uh, keen to share with you their requirements, but they're also okay to accept non-perfect solution. 
They also have a profile which is typically they are less price sensitive. They are ready to pay maybe a little bit more um, and work with you, be very interactive. So typically those are the, the, the early adopters. The followers are probably um, the opposite. Typically they are more demanding. They, are, they want a, a perfection and they look at a very good value for money. Price is very important sometimes. And they want some. They're not necessarily here to discuss with you and share feedback. They're really here to buy a solution or a product. So that's a bit on the on the qualification uh, of those different uh, items. And effectively, when you when you uh, when you are talking with the first adopter, there is this sense of uh, when you exchange with them, and depending where they focus on, in terms of uh, the conversation, you will sense already if they are more this early adopter, flexible, interactive mode, or if they are really demanding a finished solution, already talking about cost optimization and, and, and perfection. Uh, the other aspect of that is uh, looking at what they've done in the past. I always say, and we, we talked a lot with Raka and the team about the know your customer. So really spend some time, of course, as efficient as possible, but spend some time understanding your customer or your prospective customer what have they done in the past? Uh, what is their strategy? Do they have a specific focus in the area you're bringing? As Raka was suggesting, for example, some of the big pharma companies, uh, uh, luckily for us, uh, the wastewater treatment uh, optimization and, and improvement is on top of the agenda. And this is obviously uh, very good news for us because it makes them obviously very receptive for what we deliver, okay? Yeah. Raka, any, any yeah, further? Um, just a little bit uh, on top of Hapfe's points is actually, yeah, for my case, uh, we can easily distinguish them by the way they are, um, let's say, driving the project. Mostly, like in my cases, for instance, in the pharma industries, they have the innovation departments or project innovation departments in which it also leads to let's say the developments of novel technologies or emerging technologies and we can say that Inopsis is actually leading the innovation technologies um, in water treatment so you can already tell that basically for the first adopters they have this kind of budget and also allocation for or even specific teams in order to lead that but sometimes they don't have the right people or the right knowledge to, to, to lead these projects. So whenever the customers want to learn together or at the same time, we can also share the knowledge from our side. And then throughout the time, in the longer term, we develop the project and also try to fine tune and tweak the projects accordingly to their uh, needs or to their demands, then it's actually the, the signal that they are the first adopters because they, they, they invest time and also not only time, but also, uh, let's say, the resources, the people to lead the project. So, so that would be uh, the additional point from my side as well. Yeah, and be one one final point, and we move to the next question is: uh, be careful when you look at uh, those early adopters versus followers. There is a bit of a blurring aspect, which is the innovation department of those companies, because the innovation department normally is very keen on new things, uh, new solution, new technology. But it might not mean that the company, the operation behind the innovation department is uh, interested in new technology. Right? There is a disconnect there sometimes, which is sometimes very big, because obviously the innovation department is also, uh, whether we like it or not, it's a marketing tool and it's also a recruiting tool for new talents uh, to 
to project an image on innovation and, and uh, cutting edge technology of a particular company, uh, it might not mean that the, the company in the background is, is that, is, is that uh, innovative. Uh, let's continue on the question. I see you. Thank you very much. We'll see a few more questions here. Thank you for the good input so far. Well, you're welcome, Benedict. Uh, my question would be, what's from your experience the best way to approach new customer if, you, if I do not know anyone at the potential customer? Okay, so that's uh, interesting. Maybe, Raka, you, you want to share a couple of examples uh, without obviously, we cannot name the name of the companies, but uh, maybe yeah. uh, one of our friends in, uh, in Basel, uh, which you've done exactly that, right? Yeah, actually, um, yeah. If you don't know anyone, for my case, at, uh, at least, if if I don't, if you don't know anyone, then you can always use the networks that um, still intersect or that is still overlapping with the industry that you're leading to. For instance, in the pharma industries, we have let's say like a hub in Basel in which they are actually collating or compiling the companies or the pharma industries around the area. So it is one of the hub or one of the connection that we can leverage in order to get into the right people. Even though, of course, we don't know yet the, the people that we want to talk with in the first place, but uh, that is one way that is one of the, for me, it works. That is one way to, to talk to that people uh, to those people and also to let's say initiate the conversation and practically speaking maybe to add to this raka uh, just to answer also uh, maybe a practical point for benedict here and for everybody else um, the the way you, i think you you did it and we do it quite quite often is we identify the function which is responsible for this particular process so for example in, in this case and of course you have to translate to your company in this case i think the health environmental safety department of the company is responsible for wastewater treatment uh, ultimately so this could this is typically one potential door it's not the only one but it will be one potential door and we look for this person in the organization whether directly on the on the website of the company or we see linkedin is a, is a very good source for that we identify the name of the person and then uh, we, we either we have the we have an email contact or we just call directly the company and we try to get in touch with that person uh, through the through the main desk. It's uh, it's a little bit time consuming, but it works uh, effectively quite well. And this is how uh, Raka did it for one of the pharmaceutical company in Basel. And this is where he also went from Basel all the way to the U.S. and back. Uh, so this is one way you do it, and it works effectively quite well. Uh, the other way, I think, uh, Raka is working through. The association uh, that you mentioned, where mm -hmm. we could we can get also some some contacts. Uh, maybe you can give that example as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, maybe the the point that I wanted to mention before was related more into associations, in which basically these associations are collecting information um, in the regional area, especially in Switzerland. They have extensive information and also very good associations working on this one. So you can access information publicly available on the internet that they have these members and also they have these contacts. But still, of course, even though the associations might help us to find the companies or institutions, but they cannot help us to find the people. So that's why the point that Efe raised before, you have to, even though it's kind of, 
let's say it's actually touching also the point of how can I do the cold calling efficiently, like the next one, because I think like um, the whole concept of, of cold calling uh, and if you want to make it more effective is also you need to, to know, like, uh, let's say if you provide a solution, of course, the whole company cannot accept the solution. It's probably only one department or a small part of the department. So our goal is actually to find these departments initially in order to make it more effective. Otherwise, if you just, yeah, Afe also pointed out about calling the reception, it works very well so far. But if we can just, uh, let's say in a scenario, you, you just call a reception call and then you want to offer a solution in which even the reception cannot understand or digest information, then it's gonna be a very disastrous cold call because it might not lead us to somewhere, uh, anywhere. Yeah. So I think like, uh, sorry. No, that's that, that's a good point. I think uh, yeah. maybe to to continue on that, I think uh, the cold calling, effectively, as you say, is a, is a, is a bit of an art and not a, always a science. But what, uh, Lilian, I think you're you're pointing a, a good point is is the efficiency, right? Because at the end of the day, um, what what we what we really recommend is a segmentation, right? Uh, I think uh, Raka showed a bit of a segmentation of high level segmentation. But uh, we do that a lot with uh, with our startup. We really want to focus um, on what segments are most promising, most recognizing the value of the solution. Uh, we do not believe in mass marketing uh, or mass business development uh, because you are an innovation-driven organization. Startups are not really, uh, that's what they, you do for a living, right? You bring new solution to market. Uh, you, it, can, it, it is not coherent in our in our view in my view in particular uh, to uh, to do a mass uh, mass business development having a long list of clients and really founding the market it is really much more uh, much more efficient because that's your point also of having a very narrow segmentation and then adapt as you go relatively quickly to see okay this segment is particularly attractive let's broaden that segment right let's go deeper into that segment, let's drop that other segment or let's de-emphasize that other segment. That's probably a good way to make those cold call efficient. And the cold call is, the term is a bit challenging because of course, uh, back to the, is there an interest from the company, know your customer, right? Is there, a, is it a strategic area for the company or for the prospect that you're talking to? to develop in that particular area yes or no are they talking about it is it a, is it topic of interest or not is it not a topic of interest it's going to be extremely difficult to get their attention right so that's a, again part of the the know your customer before you reach out it will make the cold call a bit warmer first of all and it will be more efficient okay can i quickly yes. uh, ask oh, yeah. a follow-up question on that sure is this lilian yeah, this is Lillian. Okay. Hi. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for your answer so far. Um, very okay. informative. Um, do you have any um, suggestions for cold calling scripts, surveys? Um, do you have any resources available there? Oh, okay. So your yeah, yeah. The, the scripting of a, of a call. Yes, I think uh, what we what we do. Um, and Raka, maybe you can you can jump in briefly if you want as well. But yeah. what what we do here on the, on the we don't really script things uh, literally, but we are uh, we we do quite a bit of work on uh, identifying the two or three 
benefits, right? Raka, you want to comment on that? How do you approach that from a, from a conversation? Yeah, uh, for me, uh, basically, if I call somebody who I don't know yet before, so I have actually prepared two or three main questions in order to, let's say, separate whether this person is the right person to contact or whether we can continue with uh, with the discussion. But sometimes it's also, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard anyway to kill the prospects very early. But uh, I, I basically prepare those questions and also their responses, their answers. And if I, I think after, let's say, judging based on their responses, and I, I find that it doesn't match very well, for instance, if they are not very interested, then I might pursue again, but not directly contacting this person anymore and try to, let's say, find other ways or other means through this person to reach out other people in, in the, because sometimes what I do here is actually trying to call people who have already, let's say, positions quite high in, in, the, in the companies. And uh, most of the time, of course, they are the decision makers, but they don't know yet how the operational level, let's say, functions. So, mm -hmm. so what I want to do is actually to connect both of these together and try to find the balance uh, and to, to find the strategic, uh, let's say, steps on how to leverage our solutions. And, and maybe I think uh, to support what, what Raka is saying, I think you heard this is, is uh, preparing questions, right? It's, uh, it's less, you're not in this phase yet where you're really selling in a, in a classical sense of uh, uh, proposing a certain feature set and very detailed uh, technical uh, question. It's really about understanding the, the customer, understanding as Raka is saying, is this the right decision making uh, maker? Are they interested in the first place in such a solution? Is it a strategic uh, interest or not? So it's really more, it's almost more questions, right? Uh, the script is more questions together with the, with the two or three key benefits that you want to present as an elevator pitch, right? So you need to have an elevator pitch ready. Uh, we, we provide wastewater treatment technology for pharmaceutical and fine chemical uh, companies in Europe. Uh, we are working with XYZ already as a referral. Uh, is this a topic for you? Is that something something of that? Uh, I'm making it a bit a bit uh, uh, rough here, but this is something uh, of that nature. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lilian. Uh, Yannick, uh, which I think we know. Uh, yes, I think this is an interesting question about the, the 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 performance of the of the business development. Right? It's about how do you make sure you because when you look at your funnel. Of course, most companies, including startups, in particular those who have investors, have a certain target, sales target, which are established, for example, for this year. And you need to understand, okay, if I need to get, I don't know, five new customers on board for 2020, how many people do I need to talk to? Right. And so that's the question of uh, uh, what's the what's the basically the, the leak rate, uh, we call leakage, right, in the in the funnel. What's my leakage rate uh, through the funnel? And honestly, uh, it really, again, I'm, I'm, it's probably not, uh, I'm not sure it's the right answer for, for Yannick, but it's about the segmentation, right? Because you're gonna have segments uh, in, in your organization, in your, which perceive your solution very well, and they're like, oh, that's great. And you're gonna have a, a, a conversion rate of one-to-one, -one, right? So one comes in, one comes out at the end. Um, and then you're gonna have some segments which are completely um, 
difficult to, to convert and you might uh, you might put in 100 on one end and get one at the end at the other side so to me that's more of a it's really a question more of a segmentation uh, than uh, than really um, uh, it's not really a global performance metric it's really by segment and understanding that is very important but I would not push too much on statistics initially, honestly, uh, because uh, you, you, the statistics are not always telling you the, the truth. Uh, the statistics are good when you are in a more established model uh, running a process already for some time, right? Um, then you, you talk about uh, uh, what are the favorite channels to identify the right decision maker and reach out to them. Um, Raka, you want to share a bit? Yeah, of I think, uh, yeah, for our case, we are using multiple combinations. I mean, yeah, we we use LinkedIn extensively, quite extensively, um, and also uh, some other websites in which they can also provide details of emails and sometimes also the phone numbers in which you can contact. But again, even though, um, let's say, it can provide you with the, the phone numbers and emails, but uh, I would always prioritize, let's say the phone calls after the emails shortly, because that gives you like the leading or accelerated pathway in order to get the feedback, direct feedback from the people themselves. Because yes. um, yeah, it's kind of hard to say, let's say we, we send emails and then if we are using the metrics that the based on the response rates, but uh, yeah, like like most at least for 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 the pharma industries because it's kind of hierarchical and also how they function it. So uh, the response rates of the email are kind of rather slow. So in order to let's say fasten the process, we have to use some other means anyway. And maybe one additional point is, of course, here and during this session, we talk a lot about outbound, right? Business development outbounds, which is reach out to the market and, and really pushing a message across to specific targets. Of course, uh, we all know uh, we, we could be subject of the different uh, same, uh, session. Uh, we do a lot. Of, we should do also a lot of inbound, right? Inbound means you create content and interest in the market and they come to you because of that content, because of that interest. Uh, to your solution and of course depending on the in particular value of your solution so the price point uh, the revenue uh, generation for one customer you have to make sure you balance those two because the outbound uh, approach can be too expensive for you depending on the price point or the revenue point for each customer so you have to be careful with that as well uh, that's something uh, to consider Okay, let's continue. Uh, you have, we have a few more questions here coming up. Very, very nice. Um, so yeah, Benedict is raising the point of LinkedIn uh, B2B sales. Yes, I think we addressed a little bit of that already. Just a point maybe to clarify, Raka mentioned we are using LinkedIn. We are not using LinkedIn Sales Navigator, just to be, uh, to be clear. One reason we don't is that it forces us to be selective in who we reach out to because Sales Navigator and other uh, out, uh, Rocket Reach and others are uh, because you pay for us uh, and you can basically uh, spam the, the whole world, so to speak, with your solution, you, you, can, you don't really force yourself to be selective. And we try to do the opposite and we try to be uh, using those tools very selectively so that you protect the value of your solution. So that's just uh, an additional point on, on LinkedIn 
and other tools uh, in general to be consistent with protecting your value. I think you have a question here from Sari. Based on what was said, the difference between early adopters and followers, would you recommend start to concentrate rather on the early adopter if your solution is still in prototyping phase? Yes, Sari, clearly uh, this is where uh, you should go because uh, the early adopters, as we, as we mentioned, are typically uh, keen to work with you, to interact with you and, uh, and discuss with you about your solution. Uh, and share feedback on features and, and also be uh, more open for maybe paying a bit more, which is not, not bad sometimes. You just have to be careful uh, what you mean by prototyping phase, of course, uh, because of course, depending on who is in front of you, um, even early adopters uh, might be a bit more demanding. So you have to, you have to find the right balance here, uh, prototype to product, right? Uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's important. Uh, we have an, another question uh, from uh, Buzanetti, uh, which must be the last name, I, I assume. Uh, is there any relationship mapping software? Is there any relationship mapping software you would suggest? How do you use it to increase your productivity? Relationship mapping software. So um, you're welcome, Sari. Uh, so um, uh, maybe you, you can highlight, I guess you, yeah. you're looking. Actually, Actually, I mentioned about this on my presentation and um, what I meant by that was um, whenever you talk to customers, you have to document it clearly, not only for yourself, but also for the other people. And um, yeah, there are a bunch of softwares out there basically for dealing with this one, like HubSpot or Salesforce or some other names out there. So uh, sometimes we just neglect uh, the functionality of these uh, software or tools. I think like the, the message here is just to, to have the information clearly outlined over there so that you can, you can, yeah, CRM. I think some people also mentioned yes, it here. CRM, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically in order to map and also to follow up easily later on when you have the deals flow ongoing. Yeah, so uh, what we use is we use, uh, uh, if that's what you're effectively uh, CRM, if that's what you're referring to, we are effectively um, using HubSpot uh, every day. Um, we think it's a good tool. Uh, you have other tools like Pipedrive where you can use, you can use Zoho CRM. Uh, they are all uh, very good. Uh, we just decided for HubSpot because it has certain features and quality that we, for our work and our, our business is, are, are quite good. And we can share uh, access to uh, other, uh, for example, our clients, startups through HubSpot very easily. So that's a good way. And um, what I, whatever the tool you use, uh, we think it's very important that you focus on the, the, the visualization of information uh, so that you are uh, process driven. Right, that's uh, because at the end of the day, I hear so many startups which are, uh, which are uh, say, oh, we, we launched uh, HubSpot or we launched Pipedrive uh, two years ago. We are not using it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, because the system is not the process, right? Let's we have to be careful. The process first, right? Process first. Uh, you, you might not even need HubSpot. For example, for our business at SparkSense, until December 2019, we did not use HubSpot. We use Trello, for example, Trello, which is a, a very simple board uh, combined with Mailchimp, um, which is a Trello, uh, T R E L L O, Trello. 
it's a free board we can use and we was enough good enough right i always uh, believe in very uh, strongly that whatever is good enough for the current stage of your development you should use and it was good enough at the time to, to run uh, the business then uh, we expanded the business we we hired the, the team including raka um, and others and uh, we needed to to uh, to develop something new so we we, we went with upspot uh, at that point right Mm -hmm. uh, Lilian has to leave, so thank you very much, Lilian, for joining. Um, so I hope that answers your question, uh, uh, Mr. Buzonetti. Yeah. Or, yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, maybe adding another uh, question uh, into the to the fray here, because uh, let's see, no, no, at least not for I the moment. Uh, yes. Um, you know, like when, especially in the early phase, when you're a startup, you know, like every, every company, especially if they're multinationals, they're kind of like um, a flagship for you. So you, you kind of have the emotional need to sustain the relationship for as long as possible with the hope that it turns into a, into a sale or into more mm. of a pilot. I guess with the, the company that you guys are working with, the biggest milestone is to get that first system into the market at any cost, you're kind of even willing to pay for the damn pilot project. <laughs> um, when does when does it just stop being worthwhile talking to these people? That's that's okay. the that, okay. That's, so yeah, so uh, thank, thanks. A very very important point. So the the the, the first winning the first customer uh, goes mostly and almost all cases, especially B two B, through proof of concept or pilot, uh, depending on how you define it. But the proof of concept is, we should never forget that proof of concept is two-sided, right? One is proving the solution. So there is a value to the solution and the, the customer is interested in the technical aspect of the solution. It brings something to his business. That's one side of the proof of concept. The other side of the proof of concept is readiness to pay. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. Because it, uh, I, I see too many entrepreneurs which are uh, delivering proof of concepts, but they become a machine for proof of concept. They don't get paid for it. And that's not, that cannot be a business, right? That's a hobby maybe, but that's not a business. And um, sorry to be a bit uh, blunt, but that's, that's the reality. You have to be careful if the, if the prospective customer is not ready to pay for a pilot or proof of concept, you have to understand why is it, right? I mean, that's uh, the question is why is it like this? Is it because they don't understand the value of your solution? If they don't understand the value, can you do something to articulate your value better? Or are the features or the benefits of your of your solution not strong enough, right? I would come back to why are not are they, there is no readiness to pay. Because I think Petro, you, you mentioned a very good point is we cannot, you cannot make a business like this. And if, if it was a case where you don't get paid, like paid in cash, liquidity, right? Uh, paid in, in real, real euros uh, nowadays, uh, then the, the offset, the only offset I, I can see, which is potentially valuable is communication. So marketing, because you're buying basically a reference uh, and but be careful here. Uh, I see also many cases where there is no agreement from the clients or from the customer side to communicate. So when you do a pilot where there is not there is no money, but you want to be able to share the reference, for example, on your website or on a brochure or whatever, you need agreement from the customer before you start. 
right? So in the, in the agreement, whatever the agreement can be a simple agreement, there should be a clause of communication. The communication clause should say something like, uh, the startup ABC is allowed to communicate on this pilot uh, the name of the company and the scope of the project, for example, something like that, right? Because if not, uh, I see many cases where the pilot is going and it's running well, and then they come back and, and the company is not willing for whatever reason to, to be able to communicate on the pilot. And obviously that's a big issue. Yeah, okay. okay. Perfect, thank you, thank you, Very good. You're welcome. So let's wrap this up slowly. I see there is uh, no more outstanding questions. So um, I think just a few takeaways from the, from the session and maybe some, some take homes uh, uh, is first of all, um, the segmentation, right? We come back to that. Uh, we discussed that, I think was a lot of good question around the cold call efficiency. And it is at the end of the day back, back to which segments am I going about? And it has to be value-based, right? Where are the segments which are where I can maximize the value of my solution? And of course, because you are in early days and you are in the first customer scenario or the first couple of customer scenario, you are always the adjusting priorities, right? Shifting priorities in segments. Which segment should be a priority? You can adapt that relatively quickly as you do your business development activities. The second point, I think, and we heard that also from, from Raka quite strongly, is the lead qualification, right? How do we kill the, uh, how, do we, uh, how do we make sure that we have a qualification uh, uh, to, of the, before we hand over? The reason we, we want to make sure we have qualification, which is qualification again, is the decision maker, the budget and interest combined, is because the rest of the process for selling, which is quotation, meetings, um, and discussion, is very resource intensive. And those customers or those prospects we, which are moving into this, uh, this phase of selling, they have to be very qualified, right? We have to be careful that they, they are really qualified. And if we are not sure that they are qualified, we should come back to them and ask, be a bit blunt sometimes, ask questions. Are they really the, interested in the solution? What is the problem they are trying to solve, right? Is there really a problem they are trying to solve or is, just, is it just a tourism, industry tourism? So be careful doing the handover. And of course, when you do the handover, make sure you do it well. The way we run it is, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, we use HubSpot as a way to, con to transfer information as well. So uh, everyone sees all the emails, uh, all the exchanges, the notes, the calls, we see everything and we can take that uh, client or prospect and move it to uh, the sales side, which is very important. Right? Everybody is very transparent, what has been shared, which presentation has been shared, when has it been done and so on. So the third point is uh, we talked a bit about metrics, uh, performance metrics. Be careful with that, uh, especially when you say, when you try to have a, a look at your pipeline. A lot of a lot of prospects. Uh, it's not always a good sign, right? A, a, too many prospects it can be a sign that one your segmentation is too broad, uh, and second you're not killing or deleting less pros promising prospects early enough. You're leaving them there. They're kind of a moving, they're not moving, they've been there for a while, uh, be a bit disciplined and, and remove them from the deal flow if it, they are not moving. And uh, finally, uh, business development is a marathon uh, and not a sprint. 
so it, you have to be there for the long haul. It's creating value for the business on the long term. And it is in terms of crisis and every day uh, how after the crisis, it's going to be uh, creating value for the business, building relationship with customers, with partners, with channels, uh, with, with association. Uh, so really focus on that. Make sure you make a difference. And um, thank you for joining this talk. We are ready to talk more with you. Uh, we have a team here at SparkSense of uh, dedicated business development associates. We are ready to tackle your challenges with you. Uh, of course, uh, don't hesitate to come back to us and reach back out to us. If you're launching a new product, you're entering new markets, or you want just to increment your deal flow, get in touch. And uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Raka, for sharing your insights during this talk about business development. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you to everyone as well. Thank you. Thank you. And have a great evening and stay healthy and Thank stay you. focused. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Merci Thank you. Nice evening. Bye. Merci. Bonne soirée.